Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge and welcome to Should You Use Regression With Your Clients? Why Taking Your Client Back to the Past Isn't Always the Right Approach. One half-forgotten day, a long, long time ago, I hypnotised a woman. Pamela, schooled perhaps by popular TV and movie assumptions, demanded, with the full force of her personality, that I use regression with her. And she wanted to discover why she overate to the point of obesity. And a friend of hers, who knew someone who knew something about therapy, had suggested her current weight was probably caused by something that had happened to her when she'd been probably under the age of one. Sometimes you can be too client-led. Against my youthful, inexperienced better judgment, I agreed. Pamela was an extremely talented hypnotic subject, so I had her talk to me during her whole hypnotic journey back in time. And she talked to me when she was 30, 25, and in a teenage way at 15. Those were the days when, newly qualified, I still understood little about how the mind actually processes time and experience. But I'll get back to Pamela and her journey into the far reaches of the past in a moment. But first off, I want to look at how to use regression the right way. So when I wrote recently about the affect bridge, someone emailed me asking me uh, whether I always use regression with my clients. And I replied saying no. In fact, I always try to stop regression happening. And here I'll describe what I mean by that and also what we know about memory when not to use regression and when we might use it. I won't be uh, too offended if you hadn't read the Affect Bridge piece, but basically it describes a neat way of linking a current emotional response to a past experience. If a memory floats to mind, a memory the client has always had, we might find it's the initiating cause or one of the causes of their current emotional difficulty. Once we help the client resolve the emotion from that memory, it's deconditioned and no longer has to pattern match to current experience causing problems. The person is free to live without the difficulty of that association. So doing this and also unhooking trauma from people possessed by the demons of PTSD may be a part of therapy, but it's vital to understand something. So number one, regression happens all the time. In order to understand the words I'm speaking now, you have to instantaneously and unconsciously connect to the past. That's when you learned what these words mean. If you were living entirely in the moment, totally disconnected from your past, you wouldn't be able to understand the individual words I'm using. Every word you hear right now is triggering past associations with that word. You hear a piece of music and you float down an alleyway of time back to the sensations or flavour of your whole life at the time of first hearing that music. So regression is always happening to some extent. Threads from the past continually reach into the present time. And this happens in all kinds of situations, but certainly we see a kind of spontaneous regression occurring in all emotional disturbances. When I worked in a psychiatric hospital, some of the long-term depressed clients looked so absent, so disconnected from their present experience and connected to the past reality that it it was almost as if they were permanently and unhappily entranced. Depressed people often regress through pattern matching to feeling 
helpless and hopeless in response to certain events, thoughts or types of people. These situational triggers may have them either mulling on miserable aspects of their past, feeling as they did in past depressing times, or both. When someone lives in the present as though it were as bad as the past, when it actually isn't, we call it learned helplessness. When people's phobias are triggered, they effectively regress back to other times when they were faced with the horror of the object of their phobia. Once we decondition those memories, the phobia usually drops away like a, a wart deprived of its lifeblood. The lifeblood is conditioning from past experience. Addictions too are held in place by naturally occurring regression. Dopamine-laced memories of previous highs, coupled with amnesia for the come-down after the gambling or drug spree, compel people to chase what they feel they had before. They're chasing very selective memories of what the addictive focus seems to promise them. So perhaps the strongest and most obvious case of uncontrolled hypnotic regression are the flashbacks of those suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD. One veteran I worked with told me that when a flashback was triggered, he could smell the battlefield and saw death all around him. In these times, a decades-old experience of the Falklands War would become more real to him than the shopping mall or living room that he was actually in. And he said it's like being dragged back in time. So with that in mind, number two, most of our work is about stopping regression. As practitioners, we need to help manage or stop spontaneous maladaptive regressions in our clients. And, these are, uh, and there are a few things worse than the old therapeutic technique of dragging a client back through the pain of their past in order for them to relive it as it happened. When we use the rewind technique as a comfortable and empowering way to uh, help our clients quickly overcome PTSD, we're reviewing a past time. So it is a form of regression, but the way of revisiting the past is so different, so relaxed, disassociated and unusual that the, quiet, the client is quickly able to reprocess it and therefore stop regressing there. Metaphorical regression, such as nightmares and daytime flashbacks, stop and the person can reintegrate into their current reality. Now, when we help a client break free of addiction, we help them change their association to the past so that the compulsion disappears, the problematic regression is gone. Likewise, when we help depressed clients ruminate less on the unchangeable past, we're stopping regression, or at least helping them see the past in less despondent ways so that they can move on. So much therapy needs to be about stopping regression, and if we do use regression, uh, therapeutically, we need to use it in a progressive way. We need to help the client review the past calmly in a wider context and in a way that allows the past to be reframed cognitively as well as emotionally. But we can certainly help our clients use their pasts more constructively, as I'll describe in, in a bit. The next point is vital for any practitioner to understand. Number three, false memories can be easily created. Regression carries risks, you know, especially if we're wedded to the ideology that hypnosis can be used to discover what happened if we don't already know what happened. And actually, we don't even need to use formal hypnosis to create false but seemingly very real memories. So here's a case in point. 
Ada Joan Taylor can recall smothering the 68-year-old woman she pleaded guilty to murdering. During flashbacks, she can even feel the pillow in her hands, and she served more than 19 years in prison for her crime, but she didn't do it. Someone else who served time for the same murder could also recall committing it, and they hadn't done it either. Both suffered terrible guilt and flashbacks over a crime neither had committed. And this isn't a freak case. Emotionally vulnerable people are highly suggestible, whether recognisable hypnosis is used with them or not. It's now well established that false memories, memories that did not exist before therapy or other intervention, can be created in people wittingly or unwittingly. And therapists don't do this purposefully, but hypnotic imagery is powerful. The purpose of psychotherapy isn't to discover what happened. You know, gone are the days when the idea of therapy was to concoct some plausible reason or cause for current difficulty. You know, because your granny didn't buy you sweets, you're now pathologically jealous, you know, that sort of thing. But it might sometimes be that we discover a link to a pre-existing memory and a current difficulty, as I describe in my case uh, study of Emily, who lacked assertiveness. Now, the real purpose of therapy is to help clients meet their emotional needs in the here and now, and enable them to better and more comfortably meet those needs in future. Some of that work may include helping them overcome past conditioning, but there's no evidence that endless psychological archaeology helps people adopt healthier mindsets and behaviours in and of itself. When we help clients access their past, it should never be about uncovering repressed memories, because there's little evidence that really important memories are repressed. People tend to recall the bad stuff only too well. So we need to be very mindful of the possibility and the danger of creating false memories with any regression technique. We must ensure the memories we work with are memories the client has always had, not ones discovered, which might mean created during therapy. So how can we use the client's memories to help them? Number four, help your client collect resources from the past. Times when determination won through, triumph, love, recognition, a sense of wonder or awesome connection to nature, or maybe just a time when things felt alright or pretty good. If we can help connect our clients to a real sense of when things were better, so they can call forth those feelings when they need them now, then we're helping them use the past well. A common psychological trap is to look back only at the bad stuff and therapy shouldn't encourage that. I worked with a depressed woman who week after week made me feel depressed. You know, she'd sit and cry because it had all been so terrible and nothing had ever been any good and so forth. Then she recalled a particular time she'd been rock climbing uh, years before in France. She'd be climbing, climbing a cliff. And I helped her reaccess that time. And metaphorically, we used it as a base for helping her climb her way out of that depression. That was a therapeutic use of memory. So the way forward with the past is to be progressive. There are maybe many things causing a current difficulty in your client's life, and we need to know what to look for, but it might not always be some past half-forgotten incident. Often it's a current difficulty or a current problem combined with past emotional conditioning that's causing problems. It's too simplistic and reductionist to look for the cause in the past. And it's even more simplistic to assume that once we've found, or think we've found, the cause, 
that will be enough to erase the client's problems, just knowing. One man I worked with, a survivor of the Clapham Junction rail disaster, had a therapist suggest to him that his ensuing PTSD was probably the result of repressed childhood trauma. He was understandably confused because the trauma had arisen only since the rail crash and he thought he'd had a happy childhood. So that, that was a ridiculous assumption. There was, n- there was no reason to suspect that his PTSD was a result of anything other than the disaster itself and seeing people die and so forth. And sure enough, once his memories of the crash were deconditioned, his PTSD disappeared. So there's no simple answer to, do you always use regression? All those years ago, uh, when my psychological knowledge was still very limited, I sat with Pamela using regression simply because she'd asked me to, based on the misguided recommendation of a friend. I regressed Pamela back to the age of 20 to 15 to 10 and eventually less than one year old. And I knew she was on some level accessing a sense of these times because I'd ask her unconscious mind to signal to me in the form of idiomotor responses, flickering fingers. Uh, when she'd reached the age I suggested, she'd flicker her finger or her finger would flicker spontaneously. It wasn't the conscious thing. At last she was under one year old. You know, her finger flickered and her arm partially levitated. And I asked her to speak. What would she tell me? Why had she started overeating? What amazing discovery would we make? Nothing. Eventually a faint baby sound and Pamela was trying to say something. You know, what was it? What secret? And she said, Gaga and uh, another gaga sound came and then nothing but gaga. And the unconscious mind can be very literal. And of course she had not yet learned to speak at the age of one. I resolved to be much less client-led in some things and started to use sensible motivational ways to help Pamela lose weight in future. And happily she did eventually get slimmer with no more trips to gaga land. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Terrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk.com slash blog. That's unk.com slash blog. Mm-hmm.